Well, good afternoon. Alright, so this is not going to be uh, midge, uh, you know, just vents and stuff. I'm actually bringing you a new mystery. Um, I did a little research and this one, um, I had originally had seen a segment on Unsolved Mysteries uh, way back in, I think it was 95 or something, 94, 95. Uh, but this story, not only did it freak me out, it also, you don't know whether to believe this person or not. Um, but this is the mysterious case of Sarah Powell. So here we go. Uh, so on um, November 16th, uh, 1993, 14-year-old Sarah Powell uh, woke up around uh, 9.30 in her uh, Clear Lake home in Texas. Um, she was in her bedroom, um, well, when she had woken up, she was in her bedroom, hogtied with duct tape, um, and the phone cord, um, from her room. Um, the room, though, she was not familiar with it. Um, she was disoriented, and she really had no idea who she was or where she was. Um, her home had been, uh, broken into and, and ransacked. She was only able to call for help by calling the last number on the phone. And the phone number that she had called happened to be the post office where her mom had worked. Um, her mother, Deborah, had realized that Sarah um, had stayed home sick from school and that the person that was calling was her daughter. Um, by the time her mother had arrived, police were already there. Um, when the police and Deborah had went inside... They had found the house uh, was completely ransacked and Sarah was in her room. Now, because Sarah was disoriented, she did not recognize her mom and did not want her mom to be in the room with her. Um, and so the police began to believe um, that maybe Sarah had been involved with what happened because there were no signs of forced entry um, and where or no. Sorry, there were no signs of forced entry. Um, and then there was also no fingerprints or footprints, despite it being a rainy day. There was no wet footprints or muddy footprints or anything in the house. So police had eventually determined that nothing had been stolen from the house. And when they questioned Sarah, she claimed that she had no memory as of what happened. Um, so that in itself, do you, I mean, as a police officer, I would think... You know, either maybe maybe something really did happen and she, you know, when you do get amnesia, um, you know, you do, you don't remember everything. Obviously, she didn't recognize her mom. So, obviously, that was a first clue. But you also have to wonder, as a police officer, finding these things with no fingerprints, no footprints, no nothing, no signs of force entry, nothing like that. Um, maybe she was involved somehow and she knew more than she was saying and was trying to cover up, um, what had happened so she didn't get in trouble. Um, and that was always a possibility because that in itself, I mean, I know that there are ways that you can't, you know, ha leave fingerprints, you know, they may have been wearing, you know, gloves or whatever, but it's just, it's, it's very rare in something like this and the police had had eventually determined that nothing was taken from the house so what were these people supposedly looking for this person 
So eventually, um, Sarah was unable to write her name, tie her shoes, brush her teeth, and the police and her psychologist had determined that she was suffering from traumatic-induced amnesia. Um, Sarah's family had tried, you know, jogging her memory by showing her family photos, everything. However, she could not remember anyone, and about two months, she began began getting her memories back of basic skills. Um, when Sarah and Deborah were leaving uh, Sarah's school, um, Sarah had suffered a seizure, and the only word she was saying was, I didn't let him in, I didn't let him in. Um, so her memories of the home invasion um, began to return. Um, so Sarah claims that at 8.30, now that was weird because she claimed she had woke up at 9.30, but when her memory comes back, it's a whole hour before. So was she maybe mistaken with the time and just didn't remember or what? Like, I mean, anything's possible. If you're looking at this case, you have to... To see, like, the little things like that. Like, is it something maybe just her memory because she she did suffer through, through this traumatic event that maybe it was just the wrong time that she had blurted out or she was mistaken or what? But you also have to think, if you think that maybe she was, somehow was involved and knew more, that is an inconsistency that you have to look at. So she claims that she was home about 8.30 uh, with her dog when she heard sounds from the second floor. She had ran upstairs and saw that people were breaking in through the window. She called her mom, or she tried to call her mom, but the line was busy. Now, if someone is breaking into your house, why would you call your mom? It's not like your mom's going to come do anything. My first instinct would be call the police. But that's just me. Um, so she ran downstairs, but she could not go out the front door because the door uh, was deadbolted and she did not have the key. Second question, why... Is your child at home and there is a deadbolt on the door and your kid does not have the key? That to me was always kind of weird. Um, so eventually when the noises stopped, she had went upstairs to investigate and she claimed she was grabbed by two men and they had threw her on the bed and tried to suffocate her with the pillow. When she stopped moving, she basically played dead. They let her go and she fell to the ground. She saw their faces, and um, she said the taller intruder, one that wore the pantyhose over his head, and then there was a smaller um, man, and he wore a Freddy Krueger mask. Now, that's what always freaked me out, the, the, the Krueger mask. Um, when the uh, taller one had realized that she had seen his face because the two men were arguing, and one of them had taken off, you know, the mask, and seen his face, he became angered, and he hit her in the head with his gun, uh, eventually just knocking, knocking her out. When she woke up, um, the small, the smaller man was in the room with her and told her to be quiet, and that she would be okay. Um, when the taller man saw the two of them talking, the two of them, the two men, began to argue, and the taller one pointed his gun to, pointed his gun to Sarah's head. Um, he had then told the small one to tie her up and she had seen two girls exiting through the window as she was being tied up again. As the smaller one had left, he had placed the phone back onto the hook and Sarah had passed out again from her head injuries. Now, police were skeptical and didn't know whether to believe that the whole incident was fake or was it a figment of her imagination? 
Now, I don't think it was a figment of her imagination. I think something maybe really did happen because how else are you going to wake up hogtied and and all that stuff? Like, I mean, I, I really doubt a 14-year-old knows that much. Uh, you know, I, I, just, I just don't buy it. Um, they even, you know, the police even eventually put her under hypnosis, but her story continued to stay completely the same. But to this day, there were no signs um, that, the, that the suspects have ever been caught or if they actually existed. So you kind of have to ask yourself if she did have amnesia. I mean, it is very possible, you know, because she was suffocated for a period of time um, and, you know, she had been hit in the head with the gun several times. There's a possibility that, yeah, maybe something did happen in her brain that just triggered everything and made her have amnesia. But there's also that that question of, did it really happen? Was, I mean, does she know more than she's letting on? And she's, by her, you know, you know, I just, I don't know. This one always bugged me because... You can see the police's point, but then you also feel bad because you're not trying to blame the victim, but you're also wondering about these inconsistencies and why these people have never been caught. If they're small town criminals, you know, nobody in this town has snitched. I mean, I know snitching isn't, no one, you never need to snitch, but, you know, nobody has talked or nobody has come forward or bragged or did anything. Or, you know, has done anything. And this has been, it, this happened in 1993. So it's been, let's see, 2003, 13. So it's been almost 30 years since this event has taken place. So, I mean, now it's kind of up to you if you want to watch that episode and maybe judge for yourself. Um, all you have to do is just look, go on to YouTube or whatever and look up Sarah Powell and Saw Mysteries and it pops right up. But that, that one has always kind of just interested me because you you want to believe her but at the same time you're wondering why there was no fingerprints found no sign of force entry um i mean i guess if they're coming through the window but they they also claimed that the window you know there was no damage to it there were no fingerprints so were these small town criminals that didn't even end up taking anything just ransacking the house why did they choose her then what did maybe she see something or know something and they were trying to scare her by doing this? Um, but there, there's no point in going into a house and not taking anything. That's just, that's stupid to me. <laughs> I mean, as a criminal, like, get smart. I know she said that they look like they were, you know, teenagers. Like, you know, she was 14 at the time, but she said they look like they could have been, like, maybe 18, 19, at the most, 20. So was she involved in maybe drugs or something or did she know someone that was and this was kind of like a hey this is you know we're sending you a message type of thing keep your mouth shut um, but feel free to go check it out for yourself and until next time people have a good day.